This is episode 43 of Extraordinary Women Radio. Welcome to Extraordinary Women Radio. I am your host, Cami Gellner. Women are being called to live with voice, vitality, and vigor. Each month, join me for wisdom-filled interviews with extraordinary women living out loud and making a difference in our world. Their stories will uplift, inspire, and spark your own purpose-driven journey. Hello, my extraordinary women friends. Today, I'm happy to share the fifth interview of the six contemporary women who will be inducted into the 2018 Colorado Women's Hall of Fame on March 28th in Denver, Colorado. I can't wait to be there with 900 others. It's going to be just an extraordinary evening with just amazing stories to be told, writing women's history into the books. We'll be celebrating the six contemporary women and the four historical women who will be inducted into Colorado Women's Hall of Fame this year. I believe tickets are still available at cogreatwomen.org. I'll be there as well many of my circle of extraordinary women friends. I think it's just going to be the event you got to be at. It's going to be quite the gala and a really special evening. And if you're going, let me know. I would love to connect face-to-face. As you know, I have this passion for helping, for women helping women, for the change makers, for women who reach out a hand and lift another up. Today's interview with Leslie Foster, the president of a Denver nonprofit, The Gathering Place, is an extraordinary woman who has been helping women get off the streets of Denver for 30 years. Leslie is being inducted into the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame this year, and for good reason. She has passionately worked to influence local decision makers' conversations about the homeless population in Denver and how organizations provide services to women and children experiencing poverty or homelessness. She has also received the Woman of the Year Award from the Colorado Business and Professional Women and the Fort Mother of the Year Award from the Colorado Women's Agenda. She was also named the 2010 Community Leader of the Year by Community Shares of Colorado, and in 2008, she received the Swanee Hunt Individual Leadership Award from the Denver Foundation and Hunt Alternatives Funds. Leslie currently serves on Denver Mayor Hancock's commission to address homelessness and was the chair of the Committee on Youth and Families. Let's meet the extraordinary Leslie Foster of The Gathering Place. Well, welcome, Leslie. I am so pleased to feature you on Extraordinary Women Radio today. Well, thanks for having me. Oh, you bet. And congratulations for being a 2018 inductee into the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. What an honor. Yeah, it really is. It's um, belonging to a club with uh, people that you've admired for most of your life, you know, and being part of the club is pretty an exciting and humbling opportunity. So I'm really grateful. Yes, it's quite an honor. I can't wait for the induction ceremony next month. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it is. Yes, yes. I was able to go a couple years ago and I really enjoyed it. So I am looking forward to this one. And especially because I've gotten to interview all of you wonderful women. So it's it's going to be really special um, this year, I think. It's going to be really spectacular. So you have been the president of The Gathering Place for nearly 30 years. And where I'd like to start is having you just tell us a little bit about what The Gathering Place is and um, just how it impacts our city of Denver and our community and makes it a better community. 
Wonderful. Well, we were founded actually in 1986, and we are Denver's only daytime drop-in center in Metro Denver that looks at the specific needs of serving women, children, and transgender individuals who are experiencing poverty. Um, some of the people we serve are homeless, although not all. Um, everyone we serve is someone who is experienced or has experienced poverty. Um, what I can tell you is uh, philosophically, we could start there, and is that we believe deeply in the power of our community, and we are working constantly to make it stronger. And our key values are recognizing individual strengths, building respect and trust, and offering unconditional acceptance. Um, if you were to come to the gathering place, um, anyone can come. We're a no-barrier facility, so you don't have to have any ID or prove anything. You just have to identify as a woman or a child or someone who is transgender, and you can come to the gathering place. Um, when you sign in, we greet you at our welcome desk and talk to you. You, you fill out one form that um, is basic demographic information about who you are, and then you have access to all our programs and services. And what kind so, of programs and services do you run through the well, center? One of the things we do is, first of all, we look at the basic needs of people. And in that area, we're going to really be thinking about um, people who need food, a mailing address, people who need to get off the streets during the day. We have showers and laundry facilities. Um, we do three meals a day at the gathering place, um, breakfast, lunch, and an afternoon snack. So we have, um, and a key part of what we do is really just getting people off the streets so they can use daytime hours productively instead of losing all that time to street survival. Yeah. And so they can feel safe and feel sure. like they're part of something. Sure. Because there's um, a lot of overnight facilities, but this is different because it is a daytime facility. And so that, so people can have a place to go and feel safe. Um, and, and you know, like you said, have a shower or something that, yeah, um, take care of basic things during the day. Um, and a mailing address is really right. important. Right. Um, so access to telephones, we have telephones here. So then beyond basic needs, we go beyond that in a huge variety of ways. So some of our programs we have programs in education and job readiness. We have mm -hmm. job fairs. We have high school equivalency program and a basic skills class. So if you've almost got your, if you're at an eighth grade reading level or above, we can help you get your high school equivalency. If you're not quite at eighth grade, we've got a basic skills class so we can get you up to that level so you can get the education that might benefit you. Um, we also have, um, like I said, job fairs. So employers will come to the gathering place oh, and, nice. and yeah, and talk about what is it we need. Some employers, we've had some employers come and bring applications, do interviews, and hire people right on the spot. So you can work on getting a job, getting your education. We have a computer lab, so um, 
you can do whatever you want on computers. A lot of mostly what people use the computers for is finding housing and jobs, but also you can go on Facebook, you can play games, you can do whatever it is you want on our computers. Um, we have programs in physical and mental health. Mm-hmm. So we have a whole lot of partner agencies and volunteer health professionals. So you can see a doctor, a nurse, a counselor. We do health screenings. Uh, we help people get on benefits, on public benefits. So on, on the childhood, the children's health insurance program, CHIP, that you've heard yes. a lot about recently, mm-hmm. and on Medicare and Medicaid and all those kinds of benefits, we can help you. We have things like the, um, Susan Komen sends over a mammogram. Um, Good. Mammovan. Mm-hmm. Uh, quarterly they come. Okay. So you can get a mammogram here. We have uh, Stout Street Clinic has a full medical van on Wednesdays. They come and you can get a full exam or, you know, whatever it is if you've got some kind of crisis, physical crisis that you need something for. What a blessing so for we've so got many physical people. and mental health. And right. Yeah, it's really wonderful. We serve so many people in those programs. And what's nice is it's all in one place. So you can have lunch and then you can see the doctor. You right. know? Right. So you aren't having to transport yourself all over town. It's all in one place. And then um, another key area we've got is actually arts programs and recreation. Mm. So we're very big on art and recreation at the Gathering Place. Um, We've always been. It's a a deep part of our history. We first started doing art programs. Gosh, we were founded in 86, and I think we first started doing art programs in like 87, 88. So very early on. Yeah, and that's so important to have a, a, a channel for creativity for all of us. So I, I'm, I think that's awesome that you have that. Yeah. So we have, um, we do visual arts. We've got painting and our primary outlet is the card project. And this is where the artists make hand painted note cards. We sell the note cards and the artist puts her initials on the back and she gets 75% of every card of hers. That's oh my out. gosh, that's fantastic. Is that, so where can, so, can they get those off your website or can they, can they get them by coming um, in? Or you can get the- those in, yeah, you can come into the gathering place. And then also there's some places around town, some outlets around town. Of course I'm going, gosh, where are they now? I, I'm pretty sure like, um, there's some gift shops and all that have them. Oddly, the place that comes to mind right off the top of my head is the, interestingly, uh, the Kittridge General Store. No way. So, you know, the, some of our cars. Uh, that is so funny because the Kittridge General, General Store is literally a half mile from my house. Yeah. They sell, <laughs> um, they're great. They're awesome. And they sell our cards in the general store. And then also what they do for us is, just FYI is uh, at least once a year, I think they have a donation jar. And then in the winter time, usually right before Christmas, they go out and they take all the money they've got uh, hats and gloves and boots for okay. people. And can, do they, so um, do you, can people purchase the cards on your website? Um, not, not the original cards, but okay. we also have a program called Art Restart. 
-hmm. And that has its own website. It's just www.artrestart.org. And this is a social enterprise, and we have way more than cards. We What we have on the website on Art Restart is you can buy um, boxes of the cards, and they're not the originals. They're reproductions. Okay. So... Um, what our artists do is they license their art to us and then we can sell a reproduction. So, and with those, you can customize because it's on the website. So you can, there's a couple of different sizes. We have a pick six option. So you can pick six different cards that you want and you put them in a box. Um, but also in Art Restart, our artists are doing things um, like prints larger size prints that you might want to hang on your wall. And one of our most popular products, we have two this year that are new. One is a calendar, a desk calendar that's amazing. And one of our most popular products now is scarves. Um, We take the designs that the women's make, the women make, and we put them on scarves. And they are stunningly beautiful. I tell you, when you get one, you put it on and it's this very cozy feel to them and they are absolutely gorgeous. Well, and so, what was that website again? It's um, artrestart.org. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll put that on the website when we, when we launch. Oh, that'd it. be wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about after helping women get off the street for 30 years, what have you learned about the strength of women? Well, I guess I've learned how very strong we are. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am stunned almost every day by how resilient and amazing people are who find a way um, in life facing some really devastating circumstances. Mm-hmm. And they manage to do so frequently with um, dignity and grace that is truly inspirational, mm. um, really amazing. Um, I can, can't even count the number of times I come to the gathering place and there might be people that almost every day, there's people waiting outside, waiting for us to open our doors and you ask people, how, how are you doing today? And very often people say blessed. Mm. Um, and they, and they mean that in right. a very sincere way that I've, I've lived another day. I've made another day. I'm around. Um, I have a place to be. I survived. Um, I think very often what we see at the gathering place is sort of the triumph and the celebration that comes from survival, from just getting your basic needs met. And then, of course, um, we do see lots of people succeed and, you know, do amazing things with their lives. And um, But the strength of women is quite extraordinary. And I guess the one of the key things I've learned is that it multiplies exponentially, that one woman is strong and two women are stronger than than two women. It's mm. like three. I like that. I like <laughs> and that concept. Three women are like nine. And yes. you know, it's we we are so we are so much better when we work together. 
And it's really been such an honor for 30 years to see that in action and to see so many people of various socioeconomic levels helping each other and building on each other's strengths. It's, it's really quite extraordinary. Nice, nice. So what are some of the common misconceptions about women um, in both the poverty, poverty and the homeless population? Well, I have to say I think the, the biggest misconception is that we exist, or rather we don't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, women are still remain so invisible in the homeless population and um in poverty, I think we're a little more visible, but in homelessness in particular, we're quite invisible. Um, when I started working in this business back in 1990, mm-hmm. when I started at the gathering place, mm-hmm. at that time, we were really estimating women made up about maybe 10% to 15% of the homeless population. And for quite a while now, we've been almost or right at or slightly more, depending on which study you're looking at, but we're at about 50% of the homeless population now. And I think most people are are still continue to be shocked by that statistic. We still view people who are homeless in a very particular kind of way um, that women do not fit that stereotype. So I think that's one huge myth is, first of all, we're here and we exist. Right. Um, I, I think that that partly that has happened because as women, we go through a lot of efforts to protect ourselves. Safety for women is like a number one deal. Oh, absolutely. I can't imagine. So what we do is, yeah, so what we do is try to blend in. Um, we tend to look pretty darn good and, you know, we know how to walk through dangerous situations and act like we are okay and we've got it handled. When you see women walking down the street, even I do this and I should know better, I I don't assume, ah, that must be someone, here's a woman walking down the street pushing a stroller. I wonder if she's homeless. I never would assume that they're homeless. Right. I would just assume they're going someplace. Mm-hmm. But in fact, you know, for all we know, they are homeless. And there's a huge number of people who are. So so we, we work very hard at blending in. And it's a good quality because it helps keep us safe. The other flip side, though, is I think for the rest of us and the general public, the pain of seeing particularly children who are homeless, but women and children who are homeless is so intense that I think we also don't let it in. And so we tend to not to look the other way and think that, that it's probably not true, even though instinctively we might think someone is homeless. It's harder to let that into our own consciousness. Um, and again, we, we're not women who are experiencing poverty and homelessness don't typically look the stereotype. So, um, so I think there's really a couple of things going on there. And this is a question for you that just has popped up for me. You know, often, I mean, you hear different schools of thought. Do you, if you, if people are asking for money on the street to give or not to give, um, 
what what is your philosophies behind that if you know if somebody's asking for help on the street well i probably i'll tell you honestly cammy is i have a different philosophy than a lot of people do mm-hmm. a lot of people will say save your money and give your money to an organization mm-hmm. uh, and and i think that's Great, and I'm an organization who receives funds, and they're right. deeply appreciated, and we can make those funds go a long way. That said, there are different levels of philanthropy, and sometimes, for whatever reason, it makes sense to you to give some money to an individual one-to-one, and I don't see that as a bad thing that we should be judging and going, oh, you're enabling and getting worked up about Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. Sometimes it's the first step to philanthropy. A a number of years ago, um, we were doing a capital campaign and building a new building and all, and we had this wonderful architect, this woman who was just an extraordinary person, and she had been telling her kids about how she was working on this center for women who were experiencing poverty and homelessness. So her kids kind of got interested. And one day they were driving, she and her daughter were driving down the street and they saw someone on the street who was experiencing or doing the panhandling thing, Mm -hmm. experiencing poverty of some kind. So her daughter shared her lunch and said, mom, can I give my lunch to this person? And Mm -hmm. so gave this person lunch and this person was a, was very appreciative and very kind about it. And so the daughter had this great experience. And I think, you know, for a five-year-old or a six-year-old or whatever she was at the time, I think that's impactful. And perhaps this will be someone who will then say, well, that was interesting. And that was made me feel good. So maybe I should give away something else. Maybe I should give away money. Maybe I should work up to giving away my time. Maybe I should get my school involved. So I'm really not too judgmental about it. The only thing I would say is a gift is a gift. And once it leaves your hand, it's not yours anymore. So if you can give it away and truly give it away and let it belong to the person you gave it to without condition. If you can't do that, then it's probably better to hold on to it. If Mm -hmm. you want to have all the conditions around it, like I want this person to spend it on, you know, a meal at McDonald's and I want this person to be grateful, then you probably should not give it away. Because maybe they won't be grateful and maybe they won't spend it on a meal. And it's not really for us to decide. So if you're going to give it away, give it away. Just open up your heart and say, this is what yeah. I'm doing today. And, and that makes sense. And what are some other small acts that some, that anyone can take that could really have a big impact on someone's lives? life? Gosh, um, let's see. Some One, one thing is... Um, it's so interesting, but recognizing people, saying hello, and I, I don't mean recognizing like, you know, they're your best friend, but acknowledging a person mm-hmm. and saying hello is a really good thing to do. Making eye um, contact, right? I mean, just Making having... eye contact. Right. And if you see that person more than once or you learn that person's name, remembering the name mm-hmm. is like a really big deal. Mm-hmm. When 
you can remember someone's name, which I'm typically fairly terrible at, frankly. <laughs> um, but it's a really good thing um, to acknowledge the existence of a fellow person on the planet and smile and remember a name. And anyone can do that. Anyone can do that. I just had a friend um, that I know through Facebook, and I met face-to-face at a conference several years ago. And she was in New York, and she was going up to a lot of homeless people and, and offering a hug. And she did it for a full day and had the most incredible experience about doing this and just had the most wonderful relation, wonderful conversations throughout the the day. And she wrote about it at the end of the day. And, um, you know, it was just such a, a beautiful gift that, that she got back just yeah types of conversations and connections and just being in relationship with someone and um, I really appreciated that story. That's such an interesting thing to do. And asking, I think, is also nice for, you know, for people who don't want to be hugged by right. a stranger. Exactly. They can have the option of saying no I, and not assuming, oh, everyone must want my, my exactly. hug, but listening, which leads me to another little thing, which is listening to the people who are in the experience. Acknowledging that experience as opposed to um, thinking that we know best mm-hmm. and what's the best thing for people. I, I I can't even begin to tell you the number of times that I was, you know, I'm embarrassed to say, but I was quite sure I knew what was best for someone. Mm-hmm. And they they made a different decision and guess what? It worked out. Mm-hmm. And maybe I was wrong. <laughs> you know yes it, it, it turns out I don't know everything and we don't know about people's lives and so listening and to, yeah. to them and what they want and what's going on with their lives is a huge deal also oh, listening like just listening I like um, that a lot well, I'd like to hear some of your personal stories Leslie um, can you tell us about a time in your life where it was this time or a situation that happened for you that just forever shaped who you are. Um, it might have changed the path you were on or the journey you were on. Um, does anything come to mind on that? Well, you know, I'm one of these people that I see connections and I feel like my life, I was born to do not just this work, but to be at the gathering place. So for me, this is sort of an overwhelming, oh my gosh, everything that, you know, that's ever happened question, but narrowing it down from everything. Um, I would start by saying I grew up in a very strong social justice family. We were very much expected to know about politics, to be able to articulate viewpoints and, um, my parents were quite progressive, mm-hmm. and that the values of being non-judgmental, being inclusive, um, taking care of our community, those were huge things. So I kind of grew up with this awareness. And did you grow in up in Colorado, or where did you? I did. I grew up in Littleton, actually. Okay. Okay. So um, my mother worked in nursing homes. And my father was a union pipe fitter. Okay. And they both had very strong um, 
values about the world and that we needed to care for each other and belong to each other. So I, I wouldn't say I had a particular experience, but I had a life experience. Right. That, that was the foundation a, for you, it sounds like. Yes, totally the foundation. In terms of a life experience, I did have this moment I was thinking, honestly, really the one humongous life experience I remember having is I was a pretty smart kid in high school um, and doing well. I had four older siblings. My parents were also not college educated. So college was a expectation, kind of, but they also would not have like been disappointed or freaking out if I had said not college. Mm -hmm. So I was pretty unsure what I wanted to do. And, you know, I forget what happened, but one day I was pretty sure I was not going to go to college. And then one day I got angry at something. I don't remember what it was, but I was pretty smart in school and I had college counselors. My high school counselors were like kind of on me about this. So I got angry about something. I went into the high school counselor and I said, I want to go to college and I want to go out of state. And she'd kind of been waiting for me to do this. So she pulled out, you know, back in those days, we had the college catalogs. She, All right. You know, mm -hmm. we didn't do the online thing. She pulled out college catalogs. I flipped through them and I pointed to one and said, this looks like a great school for me. And she said, well, that's a women's college. And I said, awesome. I don't care. That's perfect. Fine with me. <laughs> and just and this I, little was, moment. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> and it was, you know, all the kids who do the college tour and all the thinking, this is literally how I picked my college. And it was Stevens College in Columbia, Missouri, and it impacted my life forever. Um, so I and, and I, I would amazing argue, experience. I would almost argue there was there, that wasn't an accident that you actually turned it open to that page and pointed it out. That was probably some some divine divine guidance. <laughs> Pick that page is where you were supposed to go. <laughs> I just went. I am going there. That that it is was, so funny. It was an amazing experience. I was so lucky. It was the right move for me. It was um, a small women's college, and it was where I found my footing. Um, I found myself as an individual. Uh, I was always, you know, I'm the youngest of five kids. I was very much connected to my family. I had never moved in my entire life. And I, my parents had moved to the house we lived in when I was one year old. So okay. I had never moved when right. I went to college. Right. So it was my first move. It was out of state. Um, I, I really had to find my way completely independent of my family. Mm -hmm. And I, being at a women's college got me interested in women's issues and educated on women thinking and women's studies and all of those things came together for me. So by the time I left, I was saying in my out loud voice, someday I am going to be director of a women's organization. That is what I want to do. Uh, and you were meant to do that, obviously. I mean, that yeah. was really your, your legacy that, you know, you, you were being called to do this. Yeah. So 
19 years old and I went, yep, that's what I need to do. Nice. Nice. That's where I find myself. So I was very goal oriented. I went after and I looked and I, I cared deeply. I, I worked with people with disabilities for about 10 years before I found the gathering place. And, and, um, it was also a great experience, but I knew it was not where I fit, where I, what right. I wanted to do right. was run a women's organization. And, and so, now you've been there 30 years, which is just 30 inc- years. I mean, it's just, right. that's people don't stay in jobs that long anymore. And so what, what I know, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it must just be your heart. I'm constantly learning. Mm. Absolutely. I'm constantly learning new things. I I love the organization. I keep thinking, you know, someday I'm, it's all going to be old hat as, you know, it's practically every day I learn something new and I'm constantly stimulated and inspired by all the amazing people that surround me. So it, right. it was a calling for sure. Right. Right. So who are some of your unlikely teachers and mentors? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing the answer to this, but I want to hear who, what, who some of your unlikely well, teachers and mentors are. Yeah, the, you're, you're probably guessing and you would be right in guessing the people I serve. Right. Exactly. For That's what sure I'm thinking. are some of my great mentors of all time. Um, I am, I'm hoping a a couple of them will actually be able to come to the induction because they've been that impactful. Mm. And, and here's, here's why it's, it's not, it's so much more than, um, you know, watching people struggle and achieve. It's the realization of how luck plays into life. Mm -hmm. Um, how access to education, access to um, the privilege that I get from being white, from mm-hmm. being middle class, from being from the parents that I had, all of those things, understanding and knowing people who do not have that and our leaders are kind, are helpful, um, manage change, think strategically, grateful, all all of these same things, and they don't have all the advantages that I had. And I find that quite extraordinary. That they found that despite Um, the fact that they didn't have the privileges that that you and I might have had, um, but they still they still rise up in leadership and 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 wisdom. Yeah, that they have. Yeah, absolutely. I've got um, some people who have less education, maybe don't even have a college education, but they know so much about life, and they have been generous in spirit with sharing that with me. Mm. Of, how to survive life, how to get by, you know, I, I often say I had an abnormally stable background. I mean, really not moving (laughs) ever. That kind of thing is, is so odd, but you know, the people I serve, 
they really help me figure out how to get through change because their lives are in constant change. Right. And I watch people, it was really hard, like moving was such a difficult task for me, moving, I'm moving a job, moving an apartment, all those things were so difficult, moving my office, every time there was some kind of change, I'd get anxious, and it's not like I'm over that, but I have better coping skills because I watch people go through change on a daily basis, and they have better skills than I do. And so I can learn from their skills and go, oh, I see how you do this. Okay, thank you very much for sharing (laughs) that. You know, and part of it is about stop thinking so far in advance and pay attention to what is happening now. Just be in the space, right? Yes. Oh, my gosh, I can spend half my life strategizing the next whatever. And that prevents me, that makes change more difficult for me because I've got it all planned out. And, you know, this is how it's all going to be. And then something happens and it throws me off. The people I serve, oh, my gosh, they know how to focus in the moment. And I watch them focus in the moment, which helps them adapt to the moment. And it's they're such models for me in that area. So really, really huge role models. Nice, nice. So what kind of help are you needing at the gathering place? If, you know, any of our listeners are listening in and saying, you know, I'd really love to help out. Where, what, what do you need help with? And where can they learn more about the gathering place? Well, the best thing to do is go to the website, of course. It's um, tgpdenver.org. Mm-hmm. Um, we always are in need of volunteers. Uh, there's a million things that can be done, and we have about, oh, the equivalent. We have so many wonderful volunteers. We're so dependent on them. They're amazing people, but um, I think the I think we've got like a hundred on site every week, and it's everything from cooking and helping in the kitchen to helping with kids and playing in the family area, um, selling cards, helping us with the card project, a writers group, uh, serving at we have uh, well at the welcome desk we have volunteers who greet people when they come in. So there's a lot of really fun and interesting volunteer opportunities. And, and we, you, are, we were talking beforehand, and you're on um, Downing and Colfax. Is that correct? Yeah, actually, Colfax and High, in between cool. Downing and York. Okay. Not a lot of people know where High Street is, but in between Downing and York. Okay. On Colfax. Okay. So that's a great thing. We of course, are always in need of financial contributions. We are Mm -hmm. a $2.5 million budget. We have no one single large source of funds. And gosh, this year, it's about 2% of our budget comes from the government. So we are almost completely privately funded. And so we're dependent on um, the kindness of and the generosity of our donors. And our donors range from in age from very small to quite elderly and in size of contribution from a dollar on up. 
So um, any amount of donation is always really important to us and really valuable. And, And again, it's the collective. It's about the community. What I love about the gathering place is the way we fundraise and the way that happens is it's a community. The community of Denver supports the gathering place and a lot of other places as well, actually. Um, besides Denver, the whole metro area and a few, oh gosh, I think about, I want to say there's like 15 other states, people in other states that support us as well. But um, but of course, most of our base is in Denver, and the generosity of people is quite extraordinary. Mm, that's so good. That's so good. And what an honor yeah. that you've gotten to lead this for so many years. I think it's fantastic. It's ob- obviously where you're meant to be. So the the final cl- question that we do at the close of every one of these interviews, and I'm actually gathering these for the all the women who um, are are being inducted into the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. I'm gathering that there are three pearls of wisdom. And that's where we're going to close today is what three pearls of wisdom that you can leave our audience um, for, for the, the inductees for the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. We're going to actually have a card that all of the attendees get with your, your three pearls of wisdom on it. So I'm excited to hear what your three pearls of wisdom. Oh my gosh. You know, <laughs> this is like, um, so interesting because I'm so I'm so not an advice giver. Um, so, <laughs> but you've got I'm so like, much deep wisdom within you. All right. So here here's what I'd say. So, and I say these things all the time. I if my staff members listen to this, they'll eye roll and go, "Oh my God, I'm so bored." You know, she's saying this again. But <laughs> truly, I think eighty percent of life is. Knowing, living the serenity prayer. If you know the serenity prayer and you do that, you got 80% of life licked. It's, you know, it's, that's the one, the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. It's a huge deal. It works for everything. It works for personnel management. It works for, you know, getting through your weekend, and it works for having peace in your life. It's just an amazing thing. Absolutely. So I say 80% of life is the serenity prayer. Um, the second thing I would say is um, I, I recently I was thinking about this, and I just heard a story on NPR of one of those things about over the weekend about, you know, what separates um, that humans from other animals and, and the answer this person is positing is we, we tell stories. And I would say as a great piece of advice or pearl of wisdom is tell your story, live your story and tell it to others. Mm-hmm. And, and I say that as an alternative to advice. Instead of giving advice, tell your story. Mm-hmm. And then people can choose of your story what works for them and what doesn't. I love that. And it's, stories are so powerful. They're just so powerful in helping us learn and grow and evolve. And um, people take what they need from the story. So I love yeah. that. Instead of um, giving advice, tell the story. Tell the story. Just tell your story and and people will 
be able to choose what resonates for them. So I, I actually think it's one of the great things about podcasts now is it's a, this whole new medium where people having the opportunity to tell their story and there's so much to be gleaned from that. But I, you know, I'm quite sure that the, whatever I was listening to on NPR, not everybody picked that out. But that's what I, what I heard was tell your story. Right. So, and that's what you were supposed to hear on that day. So that's right. That's so, right. and then I really struggled over, um, you know, what's my third, you know, pearl of wisdom. So uh, on a less serious basis, I would say probably the piece of advice I've actually given more often than any other is dress in layers. <laughs> Especially in um, Colorado. <laughs> I was going, you know, I'm in my office, I'm hot, it's snowing outside, dress in layers. But on a more serious level, I would say um, my other piece of, or pearl of wisdom would be um, to stay open and pay attention to the problem people in your life because they may be your best teachers. Mm. So the more diff- that, right? The more difficult people may be your best teachers. Nice, so nice, nice. Stay open to that. Yes, I like that. Well, Leslie, this has been just a delight. And again, congratulations to you. Thank you for sharing your time with us today and sharing your stories and all the wonderful, beautiful work that you're doing at The Gathering Place. Um, Oh, thank you. I will stop by when we're down in that area one of these days and hopefully get a chance to meet you. I would love to do that. And um, maybe I'll get to see you at the induction ceremony as well next month. That would be wonderful. And and stop by the Kittredge General Store. I will. I totally will. That's so fantastic. That's where they're at. So okay. I will stop and, and get them. And if you go there, get a burrito made they are, by Lynn. They are. Aren't they the best burritos? I don't know, <laughs> but Lynn used to work at the gathering place. Oh. And she makes burritos like three times a week or twice a week. She's retired now. And she makes burritos there. Well, it's so funny because they they actually make really good burritos there. And you would think <laughs> that out of the, the, the you know, the, the Kittredge General Store, which is actually also a gas station, that they'd make amazing burritos. But we get them on, you know, maybe a couple times a month, once a month or so. We'll just go, oh, let's have a burrito because they are so good. So. Really? Lynn and Brian, they're yep. very big supporters. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I will stop in there and I will say hi to Lynn and I will get some cards. And um, um, I really appreciate everything that you're doing. So thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks for the opportunity. It's really been fun. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you liked this episode of Extraordinary Women Radio. If you did, please share this podcast with your own special tribe of women and help spread the love, the dreams, and the inspiration. Are you thinking about making the next bold move in your life? I invite you to take the Your Next Bold Move quiz at CammieGellner.com to find out how you can jumpstart a passionate and meaningful next chapter. You may also enjoy my book, Fire Dancer, Your Spiral Journey to a Life of Passion and Purpose, which is available on Amazon. 
In Fire Dancer, you will become intimately connected to your heart's calling and build the courage and resiliency to ignite your what's next. I'd love to hear from you on any of my social media channels. I'm on both Facebook and Twitter, and the links are available on my website. Till next time, my friend, listen to your heart, follow your dreams, and be you.